You know, we live in an era when uh, right now there are things in the news almost daily about inflation, gas prices, labor shortage. And so I know we live right now in a time of economic insecurity. And we've been talking the last few weeks about financial peace. We talked a couple weeks ago as I shared from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount about how we don't have to have worry or anxiety in the things of this world, even when there's economic turbulence around us. Last week, Pastor Brian Howard asked some very practical questions we should ask ourselves and think about if we're going to have just wisdom when it comes to our finances and how we use our funds and our money. And today we're going to talk about what happens when we engage in giving and we're going to talk about when we live to give. And it really is a spiritual exercise to consider what we're going to give and what we're going to invest in God's work I came across some, some data related to Christians and their giving, and uh, I just want to share some of these things with you. 20% of American Christians give nothing to their church. 12% of American Protestants tithe their church, the tithe being uh, 10%. 2.9% is the average amount of income Christians give uh, to their church. 20% of Christians give 86.4% of total giving. Now, there's always this statement in the church uh, and uh, churches across America that 20% of the people get, do 80% of the work, 20% of the people give 80% of the financial resources, 20% of the people. And yet, I think it's important for us to all be growing in our relationship to giving and our relationship to God, even through our finances. I found a couple of other things that were interesting. Higher income Christians give a lower percentage of their income than lower income Christians. Blue collar people actually give a higher percentage of their income to God's work and to God's kingdom work than white collar workers. It seems as the amounts of money grow and we we gain wealth, that then we say, wow, you know, that's a lot of money, and we give, and we don't look back and say, what was that percentage-wise? And so we have this disparity between blue-collar workers who give high percentages of their income compared to, to uh, those who have many more financial resources. And then over the last 100 years, as personal disposable income quadrupled, the percentage of income donated by American Christians actually declined dramatically. The more we're blessed, it seems, the, the less we give. And maybe we lose the connection between how God is the one who gives us every good and perfect gift. And so I want us to talk about when we live to give. You remember we looked two weeks ago into the Sermon on the Mount in Luke 12, and uh, we saw what Jesus said about worry and even linked it to our finances. And uh, Matthew records that Sermon on the Mount as well. And there was something we saw in Luke 12 and, and even in Matthew 6 about Jesus really helping us understand how do we know what we really value. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Sometimes we say it this way, follow the money. If you look at your credit card statements and your checkbook and your savings, you'll, you'll see what you value. And Jesus went on to say, if you value the things of this earth where moth can eat and rust can corrupt, then you're, you're losing out on something because you can invest in the things of heaven that last for all eternity. I think as Christians, as we're growing in the Lord, this is not about just financial decision-making when you talk about giving. It's about wrestling with God about the things he's given to us and how we're going to invest them in his kingdom work. It's really about spiritual growth. 
Jesus talked more about heaven and hell than he talked about, excuse me, he talked about money more than he talked about heaven or hell combined. A lot of people think, you know, if a pastor talks about giving, it's, it's got wrong motives. And I really think of this more about spiritual growth. And Jesus linked it to some of the toughest and greatest hurdles for us in spiritual growth is what we're going to do in terms of the stuff he's blessed us with and how we're going to give. I know there are some folks here who really excel at giving and you have uh, given, and, and I've learned, I've met very wealthy people who give very little, and I've met very poor people who give a lot. It, it doesn't have to do with what you give. It's about your heart attitude. And some of you are generous givers, and you love to give to God's work. And I hope that through this message, God will just confirm what you're doing and encourage you and bless you. There are some who maybe you're new in the Lord and you've never really given to God's work. You've never invested in God's work, even through the local church. And I'm praying that God will cause you to start. Some of you maybe at one time gave in a way in which you hit some then financial difficulties and haven't been giving. And hopefully this will restart your giving. But for all of us, I hope that this will be a part of our being stretched and and wrestling with God in a spiritual way so that we can live in love like Jesus, who was truly the generous giver, even as we recognized while we were doing communion. Now, let me share with you three levels of giving that I think you see in Scripture and you, you hear clearly. If you want to go to a passage that we'll be at in a moment, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I'm going to be looking at the first few verses there in just a moment, but I want us to see some of the Scriptures. I'll have a lot more Scriptures on the the take note outline that I'm going to be using up front just because there are so many, but you can go back and look at these. And we want to understand these three levels of giving that are communicated in the text of God's Word. The first one is the ought to level of giving. The ought to level of giving. This is where you develop, you're, you're developing balance through tithing. Now, tithing is to give 10%. And uh, it's a general rule of thumb today. In the Old Testament, it was a command, it was a law. It is mentioned in the New Testament, but it's not a, a command or a law, but it is a general rule of thumb, just a, a concept to just get going in your giving and to think about what you're giving and what you're investing in God's work. In Leviticus 27.30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. The Lord said, you give the, to the Old Testament uh, Israel, he said, you give 10% of your crops and 10% of that which you get from your livestock. And they were to give the, the first 10% to God and trust him to provide the other 90% of what would come in. But there was a, a principle that even Christians in the New Testament followed related to that, not again as a law or rigidness. Some people will say, well, the tithe, tithe is taught in the Old Testament. It's not in the New Testament, and so we don't have to give very much. Actually, the principle is they were locked in by a law, but in the New Testament era in which we live, the, the Christian era of grace, it's, it's grace-giving, where we give out of what God has given to us. It takes the lid off of our giving, and tithing becomes just the training wheels or the, the beginning point in our investing in God's kingdom. When we give at the ought to level, because this is what we should do as God's children, and we're developing balance in our lives financially through tithing, we give out of an obedience to God, recognizing Him as Lord, recognizing that everything we have is truly His. I love the little book, The Treasure Principle. It's a book we share with new members at Calvary. You can read it in 30 or 40 minutes. I try to read it once a year. Just a little book. 
But he takes that principle of where your treasure is, as Jesus said, that's where your heart will be. And Randy Alcorn, the author, goes through a number of scriptures and, and does a great job of explaining what that treasure principle means in terms of our seeking to live and love like Jesus in our world today. And Alcorn writes this in the treasure principle, the act of giving is a vivid reminder that it's all about God, not about us. It's saying, I am not the point, he is the point. He does not exist for me, I exist for him. God's money has a higher purpose than my affluence. Giving is a joyful surrender to a greater person and a greater agenda. Giving affirms Christ's lordship in my life. It dethrones me and exalts him. It breaks the chains of materialism that would enslave me. And so when we give out of this ought to level of giving, we give out of a response and obedience to the lordship of Christ. When we give at the ought to level, it's also out of a responsibility for God's work. We have a lot of ministries here on our campus and in our community and partners all around the world that we invest in together as a church family. There's no foundation, no denomination, no other organization or just a couple of key donors that provide everything. It's all of us giving as God blesses us that God does what he does in the work of God here on our campus, in the community and around the world together as the body known as Calvary Community Church. We have a responsibility for the work of God and making sure that we have the right tools and we're investing in the right things to advance his kingdom, again, here and all around the world. At the ought-to level, there's also a giving out of surrender of personal control, where we give and we say, okay, God, we trust you to use it. When I first got in ministry about 30 years ago, um, I, you could tell the World War II generation had this mindset that said, we want to give, and we give a, a percentage. And as we talk about tithing, I know some folks get really uh, nervous about that because they'll say, if I'm not giving anything, I should be tithing by next week. Well, not necessarily. Part of this wrestling with God is you might start with 1% and then say, by the end of 2022, I want to be at 3%. You, you grow your giving as you grow in God. And, and, but I, I knew in, in that older generation, there was this spirit of giving and then trusting God to use it because part of what we do in giving to God's work, especially at this ought to level, is we're just taking stuff that we control and we say, now, Lord, I trust you to use it. And uh, I've seen an adjustment in how people give over the 30 years. That World War II generation, as it more and more passes off the scenes, the next generation, Gen X, we tend to say, I want to give and I want to know exactly what I'm giving to and what it's going to and I want someone to know that I gave to that and that's the only way I can be fulfilled. We try to control it all the way. But there's something about this ought to level of giving where we give and we release control. We try to do our best to be as clear and communicate as clearly as we can here at Calvary related to what we're investing in. And I know I've, from time to time I've had folks say, you know, I just can't give to Calvary. I, I enjoy coming here, enjoy being blessed, my family's blessed, but I just don't trust. And let me just say this, if, if you, you need to be in a church setting, I'm not telling you to go find another church, but you need to be in a church setting where you can have trust and you can say we're investing in God's work as we give together. And some of it is surrendering personal control. As Leslie and I give, we give saying, okay, God, your work will be done. We trust you. And we don't have to have our names linked to it or don't have to have uh, our, our own cause uh, affected by it. Alcorn writes in the treasure principle, tithing isn't the ceiling of giving, it's the floor. 
It's not the finish line of giving, it's just the starting blocks. Tithes can be the training wheels to launch us into the mindset, skills, and habits of grace giving. The training wheels. Remember when you first learned to ride a bike? Today they use balanced bikes. But uh, some of you may remember the days of the training wheels, you know, when you got the bike, but dad put the training wheels on, then takes you out. And, and now maybe some of you learned where your father put you on or a friend or an uncle or your mom or somebody put you on a two-wheel and just sent you down a hill, kind of like throwing you in the deep end. But most of us learned with training wheels, right, to ride a bike. And that's kind of this ought-to level. And so I asked our team to get a bike for me to demonstrate kind of training wheels and how they help you develop balance and our team had a little fun in picking which uh, bike they would have me ride here, um, you know, with the little bell. And then we had somebody last night, was one of our security team members was concerned I didn't have a helmet, and so they volunteered their daughter's helmet for me today. And I can't really actually fit it very well, and I can tell you, you should wear a, a helmet when you're riding a bike, but I've got my training wheels here. And, you know, when you're, when you're on a bike with, I can stand like this, and the training wheels will hold me, and so I, I'm learning balance, and as a child learns to ride a bike, it's just like learning at the tithing level of giving, right? <laughs> you, uh, you know that the balance, you're, you're safe. There's it just the, 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 it's, it's the beginning stages. And so maybe some of you need to step into that ought to level of giving. And even in this season of thanks and this season of giving, that you begin to give at the ought to level and begin to think about what percentage of my income am I giving to God's kingdom work, even to our local church? So there's this ought to level of giving. And that's a great place to grow and stretch and learn. And it's a great place to begin if you're in college or newly married or just getting started to make that a priority. There's a second level of giving that's indicated in the scripture, and it moves beyond the ought to level, where we're developing balance through tithing, and it's the want to level. Well, you want to give to God. And, and this is where we, do, we, we are discovering freedom through offering. See, the tithes are kind of that ought-to level. We give out of obedience and responsibility and surrender. But then there is this want-to level of giving where we gain greater freedom. In 1 Chronicles 29, 14, King David, praying for the nation, cries out, but who am I and who are my people that we should be able to give as generously as this? Everything comes from you, God, and we have given you only what comes from your hand. We want to give to you. This is a privilege, God. And then Proverbs 3, 9 says, honor the Lord with your wealth. Do you honor the Lord with what God has given you, with the resources and how you invest those in God's kingdom work? When we recognize that every good and perfect gift, all the things we're going to thank God for this week during Thanksgiving, every part of it, all of it, came from God, it, it brings us to the stage of not just I ought to give, but I want to give. And I'm developing some, some spiritual muscles of freedom through, through offerings that are above the tithe. James 1.17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Every good and perfect gift, everything in my life, God owns it. Whether it's my house, whether it's my clothes, whether it's this iPad, even my two dogs, which he could have. Uh, he, <laughs> everything we have is, is from God's hand. And so when we recognize the goodness of grace, then we want to give. 
We want to give out of a heart to thank God for his goodness. Thank you, God, for the way you've cared for me and you provided. You say, well, but I, I earned this. Well, who gave you the brain, the body, the education, the talents, the skills, the opportunities? It all comes from God. And so we give at the one-two level out of a heart of thanks for the goodness he's shown us. Alcorn writes in The Treasure Principle, Christ's grace defines, motivates, and puts into perspective our giving. Our giving is a reflexive response to the grace of God in our lives. It doesn't come out of our altruism or our philanthropy. It comes out of the transforming work of Christ in us. His grace is the action. Our giving is the reaction. We give because he first gave to us. 1 John 4, 19. We love him because he first loved us. That's that want-to level of giving. Out of a heart to thank God for his goodness. We also at the want-to level give out of a burden to meet the needs of others. The biggest burden we ought to have for other people is that they hear the good news of the gospel and they come to Christ as Savior. That then they have an eternal home and they have an eternal relationship with God and they can walk with him through the ups and downs of life today. Are you burdened to see other people who come on this campus or who we reach in this community or our partners touch around the world come to Jesus? We ought to have a burden to see the spiritual needs of others being met. And then even to meet the needs of others in Jesus' name through taking care of some of their basic needs. Throughout the COVID experience, you know, there were those early days when everything was shut down in the world and nobody was even moving. And yet, we didn't stop our food distribution programs of our fresh market and our food pantry. Tuesdays, we just moved it outside and we did it outside so we could do it safely. But we have not missed a week of giving to hundreds of families who are in need. And we do that in Jesus' name. And as we give together in the want-to level of giving, we do it out of a burden to meet the needs of others. We want to meet the needs of others in Jesus' name. Thirdly, when we give at the want-to level, we give out of a passion to advance Christ's kingdom to advance his kingdom, his values, just as Jesus prayed in the Lord's Prayer, that his kingdom would be lived out here on earth as it is in heaven, in contrast to the kingdoms of this world and the kingdoms of mankind. This is God's kingdom. And when the Pharisees made fun of Jesus and said, where is that kingdom? Where's your throne? Where's your palace? Jesus says, don't go looking for that. Look at me. Look at my followers. We're going to live out those values and priorities of heaven. And for us as God's children, when our hearts are fully invested here, you follow the treasure and you'll know that. But when our hearts are invested in his eternal kingdom, you follow the treasure of your life and you'll see where your heart is. And so out of a passion to advance Christ's kingdom, I pray every day in a passion to advance God's kingdom, I pray every day for all the families of Calvary. I pray and I say, Lord, bless individuals and folks and families who, who are a part of Calvary today, this week. Bless them in a way with a raise, a bonus, a sale of a property, an inheritance, a sale of a business, a stock going up, something in a way in which you bless them financially. Bless the families of Calvary and, and allow them to enjoy that, Lord, and, and even to consider how they might invest that. Give them a heart to invest that in your kingdom, even right through your local church here at Calvary. I pray that every day. I invite you to pray that with me, even these next six weeks of our Christmas offering. 
For me, when, when I hear that kind of number that Troy was talking about, 2.6 million, that's challenging. But for all of us together as we give and we pray, I believe God will provide. And so join me in that prayer. And I, I've watched as God has provided through his people and praying that prayer. He's provided just what we've needed, when we've needed it, as we look to him and we advance his kingdom, even through the financial resources he blesses us with. Alcorn says in the treasure principle, once we understand that we're giving away God's money to do God's work, we discover a peace and a joy we never had back when we thought it was our money. So we give in response to the goodness of God, other, the goodness of God and the needs of others to advance God's kingdom. And this is the stage where you move beyond just the balance of tithing, looking at a percentage or a dollar amount. This is when, for Leslie and I, we tithe to the local church. And then when there are special projects like the end of the year giving or we hear about another ministry we invest in that's above and beyond. And we discover freedom in our giving because of the goodness of God to us. And many of you give in that way. And this is an area where God may be speaking to some of you to grow into it. You move beyond the, the training wheels, and so you take the training wheels off, and, and you, you know, we still don't improve in the quality and design of this bike, I'm, I'm pretty sure, a little bigger. But as you mature when you're riding a bike, you know, you, you take the training wheels off, right? And then you actually begin to, <laughs> begin, I should sit down. You begin to actually ride the bike, and you have a little more freedom. Now, you're on your own, you can do a little more, you know, you can make some turns, and you're not just worried about the balance and you begin to understand that you might lean this way and so you counterbalance and you get to a different level of, of enjoying the freedom when you're riding a bike. It's the same thing when you get beyond the ought-to level to the want-to level or, or where, you, where you want to give to God's work. You discover greater freedom through offerings and Maybe some of you have been at the ought-to level. It's been a percentage or a number for a long time. And now you need to allow God to grow you into the want-to level. Maybe some of you are at the want-to level, and God wants to grow you to the next level. That would be the love-to level. You move from ought-to, kind of the training wheels, to the want-to where there's freedom and discovery beyond any percentage or the rule of thumb of a, of a, of a tithe. And now you just love to give. And, and you have fun giving. This is where you're experiencing joy through generosity. It goes beyond a tithe. It goes beyond an offering. And you just live your life with your time, your talents, and your treasure with a spirit of generosity, constantly looking for ways to invest in other people, to invest in God's kingdom, to advance his kingdom, and to move his church forward. Jesus lived with this very spirit he came to give. He lived to give. And when we live in love like Jesus and we live to give, we truly begin to find deep joy and, not, and find release from the chains of materialism and not chained to the materialism and greed of our day. In Mark 10, 45, this description of the life of Jesus from Jesus' own words, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus came to give. And as we saw in our time of communion, Paul said this to the Corinthian church, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though 
he was rich. Yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich. Jesus is the ultimate generous giver. He enjoyed giving to us, the holy God coming in human flesh to give himself for us. Now, if you're there in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, just look a few verses above that. If you're there in your hard copy of the Bible or, or you're looking in, uh, on a mobile device, a Bible program, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1 through 5, the Apostle Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about an opportunity to give to the hurting church at Jerusalem. So he's talking to the church at Corinth and saying, the Macedonian churches, those believers, they've been going through a lot of trials. They're, they're in extreme poverty, but when they heard the church of Jerusalem was hurting and I was taking up an offering, they begged me to be a part of that and to give. And he's saying to the Corinthian church, think about giving in that way. And so we read in 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 5, as Paul says, the Macedonians really know how to give. You at Corinth need to learn that even as we care for the needs of the church of Jerusalem. He says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, I'm reading from the New International, excuse me, the New Living Translation. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done through the churches of Macedonia. They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor, but they are also filled with abundant joy with, which has overflowed in rich generosity. They're in trial and suffering and problems and they don't have very much, but they have a great joy that is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more, for they did it of their own free will. And I'm up here talking to you about giving, not knowing what anybody gives, understanding that God's working in my heart and growing me spiritually as I consider what I give and as Leslie and I pray about our giving. Now, I'm not trying to force anybody anyway. You know, people s seem to get mad at me when I talk about this topic, like I'm mingling in their lives, and I don't know anything about your giving or your finances. And, and Paul says, they gave willingly. All who give here at Calvary give willingly. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. How long has it been since you begged some pastor or ministry leader to give. He says, they were begging us again and again. They even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and then to us. This is first and foremost about you and your relationship with God. This is between you and God when it comes to your giving, just as God wanted them to do. God wants to use you, not just at the ought-to level and the want-to level, but at the love-to level where you experience joy and you have fun in giving and investing in his work here and around the world. And when we give at the love-to level, experiencing the joy through generosity, we give out of the opportunity to spread God's love. We do, that on, we do that on this campus to children and students and adults. We do that in the community, even programs that folks come to us to, to have their needs met and we show them the love of Jesus, but we go into the community and show the love of Christ. We do that through our partners all around the world. The love to level is out of an opportunity to spread God's love. It's out of the desire to serve others in Jesus' name. When we do things like... Uh, create a well in a, a small village in Uganda. We, we don't just create the well and, and say, look what Calvary did or look what American Christians did. No, we say, this is done for you in Jesus' name. When water opened up in Haiti several years ago as we worked on a water project there, we do it in Jesus' name when we feed people, when we care for people, we walk the journey. And so when you get to the love to level, 
you, you give because of the opportunity to spread God's love, the desire to serve others in Jesus' name. And thirdly, out of the privilege to leave an eternal legacy. Jesus said, if you invest only here on earth, it's gonna fade and it's gonna be gone. But if you invest in people and their eternal destiny, you share with them the life-changing good news as you show them the love of God, that lasts forever. It's been said you never see a hearse followed by a U-Haul trailer. Job said it this way. He said, naked I came into this world and naked I'm gonna leave it. The only investment we make that will last for eternity is the investment we make in Christ and his kingdom. The treasure principal Alcorn says, God loves a cheerful giver, 2 Corinthians 9, 7. This doesn't mean we should give only when we're feeling cheerful. The cheerfulness often comes during and after the act of obedience, not before it. So don't wait until you feel like giving. It could be a long wait. Just give and watch the joy follow. That's when you get to the love to level of giving to God's kingdom and his work. Alcorn says it's interesting how Paul concludes chapters 8 and 9 of 2 Corinthians where he's talking about giving. You would think he would just say, thank you for your generosity. But even at the end of talking about giving, Paul goes back to the one who is the generous giver to God himself. Alcorn writes, the greatest passage on giving in all scripture ends not with congratulations for your generosity, but thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Because why do we give? We give because our God has been good to us and every good and perfect gift comes from him. He gave to us first, we give in response. He loved us first, we love him in response. When you get to this level, you move beyond the training wheels, you move beyond just the two wheel. You get to the place where you can have a lot of fun. And there are some people who get to this level even in bike riding. As a matter of fact, I've gotten pretty good at it even though you saw me struggling with the size of these bikes. And so this week I went out to a park and I filmed this clip and it just really, it really exemplifies what it's like to give at the love to level of giving where you have fun and you enjoy it. Watch this clip. That represents kind of that love to level of giving. Now, if you believe that was me in the video, I have some oceanfront property in Kansas I'd like to sell you. But do you see the distinction when you're at the ought to level? It's like the training wheels. You, you go through that stage, and it's an important stage, and God stretches you and grows you. And then we move to the love to level of giving. God stretches you, but it goes beyond the tithes into offerings. And then when you move to the love to level, from the ought to, want to, to the love to level, you begin to have fun. And generosity becomes a way of life. And I have met people who are very wealthy who are at this level of generous giving. I have met people who are very poor who are at this level of generosity in living because they understood that when we, re we really start to live when we truly live to give. Again, Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your treasure? 
Look at your checkbook. Look at your credit card statements. Where is your treasure? Maybe the Lord has spoken to you and said, you're doing great. You've, you've grown through the ought-to level to the want-to level to the love-to level. And, and the Lord's just confirming in your heart that you're using the gifts he's blessed you with to advance his kingdom and to make a difference in Jesus' name. Maybe God's just encouraging you. Praise God for that. Maybe God said, yeah, you've been at the ought-to level, but now you need to take the training wheels off and move to the want-to level. Or maybe he's, you're at the want-to level and he's saying, okay, even stretch a little more and, and with your time, your talents, your treasures, even be generous to, to the point it's a way of life. Living and loving like Jesus is ultimately about giving like Jesus gave. Maybe you're wrestling and you've, you've stopped giving or you never started giving. Here's an opportunity. Even these next six weeks as we think about Thanksgiving and a season of giving to everyone who's important to us. It's an opportunity to give to God in a fresh way. Join Leslie and me as we pray about how we're going to give as this year comes to an end. How we're going to give to Christ at Christmas. Like I said before, this is about a spiritual journey. This is about us becoming more like Jesus from the inside out. We've got some of the treasure principle books available on some tables in the lobby. We give these to new members. Maybe you've received one. Maybe you have one. Maybe you'd prefer to read it on a Kindle. Again, you can read it in 30 to 40 minutes. But can I encourage you simply to go to one of those tables and, and get a copy of that? If we run out, we'll have more in the future. You can order them, I'm sure, online. But it's a great resource where Randy Alcorn goes through all these scriptures, even more than what I'm showing you here, and shows the heart of God as a giver and how he wants his children to have a heart of giving as well. And we would just encourage you to take one. Don't take one for your sister, your brother, or somebody you know needs it in Kansas um, or wherever. We, we, the book is available there for you at no cost. It does say in there if you want to add a little to your offering at some point, I'll cover the cost of the book, that's fine. But we want it to be a gift to you. Again, we'll have more in the weeks to come if we run out today. But it's a great resource. It's something I read once a year. It just helps me think about, okay, where is my treasure? Because where my treasure is, that's where my heart is. Do you live to give? Maybe God wants to grow you. Maybe he's speaking to you. Maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting you to grow in your giving. Let God do the work in your life. Will you pray with me? Father, thank you for the way you've grown me and you've grown Leslie over the years as we've journeyed together. I know there are folks who might say, well, we're at this stage, we're at this stage, and there could be a lot of reasons not to give, but help us all to find a way to give. Help us all to find a way to invest and, and to be on a journey throughout life, to move from the ought to, want to, to the love to stage where we just enjoy and have freedom and have fun being givers. And Father, we pray that all that we invest in your kingdom would bring honor and glory to you. Give great wisdom to the leaders of our church, our elders, our pastors. Father, help us to know which partners to invest in when and how. Thank you for the joy of being together as a church family in this journey to impact folks on our campus, in our community, and around the world. Grow us as a body. Grow us as families. Grow us as individuals in terms of being a giver like the generous giver, Jesus. We pray in Christ's name, amen.